When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday night. This is the Sporting Capital. Damian Watson here filling in for Sam Hargraves. I'll keep you up to date with what's happening in the live sporting action. Currently drinks the UAE won for 89 after 14 overs against Namibia in the T20 World Cup. The men's T20 World Cup down at Geelong and also in the NBL at the moment. Melbourne United establishing a bit of a buffer early in the second. They lead the Cairns Taipans 21 to 15, and the Taipans have been in good form in recent times. We're also approaching round three of the A-League men's season, and with the weekend on the horizon, there's certainly a lot to look forward to. There appears to be already a bit of a contrast compared to last season, although it's still early days. We've got three undefeated teams, and the reigning champs, Western United, are 0-2. Two losses to kickstart the season. They have an important game against MacArthur FC at Amy Park tomorrow night. We've also got the Melbourne Derby to look forward to on Saturday night, which is a bit of a cultural tradition among some of the real hardened A-League supporters out there, particularly in Melbourne. Joining us on the line is one of the most respected A-League commentators, Teo Palazzieri, who's part of the coverage for Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Thanks again for your time, Teo. A pleasure, Damo. Great to be on. Fantastic to have you. Firstly, Teo, after the opening couple of weeks of the season, does it feel like a more settled and stable atmosphere in the competition, the men's competition in particular, permeating around? Because the league was really adversely impacted by COVID over the last couple of seasons, mainly due to last-minute schedule changes. So there's a bit more stability around the air at the moment? I mean, stability in terms of when the games are on, yes. But as you just alluded to, the the defending champions at bottom of the league in two losses from two. So... It's almost like the, the competition is immediately compelling, and I I think that you know the uh, more than 100 games rescheduled last season, thankfully, mercifully, is a thing of the past, and we can really get to focusing on the plot lines that are developing on the field through the course of the year. And speaking of those plot lines, Western United, can they turn things around tomorrow night against MacArthur FC, and importantly, can they nullify the influence of Daniel Arzani? a great question because they lost one of their import signings Tongo Dumbia to a medium term hamstring injury you suspect he'll be out until after the World Cup break now so even though he hadn't started the first couple of games he's a midfield reinforcement and a player that had been signed to provide physical presence and it's the one thing that Western United have perhaps missed in their first two games particularly against Sydney last weekend where Normally, a, a midfield that was uh, accomplished at stifling the game allowed Sydney FC to, to play through them in transition quite comfortably. So, MacArthur's probably not the team they want to see from a tactical point of view. 
mainly because neither team likes possession of the ball. They like to let the other team have the ball and hit them on the counter-attack. So when you have two teams that don't want the ball, whoever has more possession is going to be doing it against their will. And I suspect that MacArthur's individual players at the moment are just in better form. And you mentioned Daniel Arzani there, and rightly so, because he was man of the match against Adelaide last Sunday. And the World Cup hype around him is building. He seems very level-headed and composed whenever he gives an interview. And there's a really good feeling on the field around this MacArthur team. Yeah, absolutely. The Western Sydney Wanderers, they've had a dream start to the season and they host the Brisbane Raw this weekend. I must admit, though, based on their Australia Cup playoff back in May, if you match them up one-on-one, the Raw, I think, do have the capability and now to defeat this side, the Wanderers. Do you think they could cause a bit of an upset? Because it's still early days. I mean, a lot has happened at Brisbane Raw since True. winning that game. They've had, they've had the Corey Brown drama with the PFA and, and the lawyers getting involved. Just this week, they've had the acrimony around closing their youth academy. And there's just there's just never a good headline coming out of the Brisbane Raw. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, it, it really feels as though, you know, they're doing everything they possibly can to make the diehards drop off. It makes no sense. I, I think that they are, it's hard to believe that there might be clubs and going worse on the field than them at the moment because their performance against Melbourne City might have trumped all the off-field stuff as the most concerning thing <laughs> of the lot. Look, Western, Western Sydney Wanderers weren't great against Melbourne Victory. They did win, but they only had the two shots on target Correct. and they came in quick succession because uh, it was the goal scorer, Michelle, who shot the first one into the keeper, had the rebound come back to him and then scored with the second and that was it. So... Again, Brisbane Raw will probably have more possession in this game and will probably get the chance to dictate terms. But will they be disciplined enough not to be beaten on the counter-attack by Wanderers? I sincerely doubt it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We're speaking with Teo Palazzieri, Channel 10 and Paramount Plus commentator as part of the A-League competition, men's and women's. Wellington Phoenix, they head to the Hunter Valley to take on Newcastle, who defeated Perth in their only game. But to me, this is just my point of view, both sides are still somewhat of an unknown quantity as to what they can produce this season. How do you see this match playing out? Look, I I like Wellington more, mainly because Newcastle weren't great in in their win uh, last weekend. Uh, Maybe a little bit lucky to beat Perth right at the end. Maybe they deserved to win because of the controversial decision to give a penalty um, to Perth in that game. But I I think that the the Phoenix probably have the ability to control the middle of the park in this match with with Stephen Agarkovic in there. Um, I don't think he put a foot wrong in the game against um, Central Coast, something like 58 completed passes out of 61. And then Clayton Lewis in there for support as well. And Ben Wayne in great form in the forward line. And they do travel to Newcastle quite well. It's a bogey venue for some teams, but not for Wellington. So as much as the Jets got a win while not playing well in round one, I do think the Wellington Phoenix, if there's going to be a winner, will be the ones that win this game. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't absolutely sold on Newcastle based on their performance against Perth. Now, I guess the main headline act for a lot of people is the Melbourne Derby this weekend. You've lived in Melbourne. You're now based in Sydney. In your view, which Derby has a bigger build-up media-wise and also spectacle amongst the fans in the A-League, the Melbourne or Sydney Derby? 
Well, I, I do think the, the Melbourne one has a bigger build-up, but the Sydney one has two better balanced fan bases. Yeah, the, the Melbourne derby, at least, it's the one game where you can guarantee that the Melbourne City fans will be out in force and sort of <laughs> do their best to balance the crowd. But Victory have got their swagger back off the field and they're getting it back on the field as well. So generally you can expect that Victory will dominate the numbers, whereas the Sydney derby, it is probably a better one just because the fan bases are more balanced in terms of the crowd numbers. All the other elements and aspects of it, I do think the Melbourne derby is better because who's on top tends to swing back and forth, whereas Sydney FC have been so dominant in the Sydney derby for the most part over the last six or seven years. Uh, On the game itself, I I do think Melbourne City are are looking pretty irresistible at the moment. But the question for me is, what's going to happen with Marco Tilio? Because as much as Melbourne City's own fans love the fact that their team is winning, I think all the neutrals are watching and all the Socceroos fans are watching and they're asking, where's Marco Tilio? Why isn't he playing? And I'm very much in the same camp. I want an exciting, talented young player to play as many minutes as possible. The problem is he has Andrew Naboot and Matthew Leckie in very good form and blocking his path. And, and I sadly don't think he'll be starting this game because Patrick Kisnorbo isn't going to disrupt a winning combination. Yeah, you mentioned Tilly. I still remember him scoring a goal along with Kolakowski from memory in a semi-final last year against Macarthur FC. The Melbourne Derby itself, you mentioned some names there, but the influence of J.B. McLaren is obviously accentuated by his goal-scoring capacity. His now, he's a name that transcends the competition. How did victory curtail his influence? Uh, very good question, because centre-back has been probably the biggest issue for Melbourne victory, whether it was getting knocked out of the cup with George Timotheo scoring that own goal against Western United, or the way that they gave up the goal to Western Sydney Wanderers last week. Without Matthew Speranovic there, uh, Timotheo does seem like the weak link in the team. Uh, Kadete has made only a, a sort of reasonable start to his career, and Lee Broxham, kind of the, the Mr. Fixit who gets thrown into right-back, into centre-back, wherever he needs to go, and they're not providing the protection to Paul Izzo that he really needs. So uh, how do victory stop Jamie McLaren? I'm not sure they do, Damon. I think that... Uh, He's going to loom large over this fixture and victory's centre-back pairing uh, and just their defence in general is their weak link at the moment. So I, I suppose the good thing is that might bode for a shootout because victory's only option might be to attack and uh, go for a, one more goal in the other direction. You wouldn't necessarily mind seeing that frame of mind in the match itself. And do you think you are subscribed to the theory in sport when there's a big rivalry at play that the positions of form on the table doesn't necessarily come to much fruition in the encounter because of the sheer rivalry? Well, I, I think in the case of a Melbourne derby, it very much does apply to Melbourne City because just as a club, I mentioned off the field that it is the one game where you can guarantee that their fan base will, will swell in numbers. They, they have a different feel about them when, it, when it's a derby. You know, when it's Newcastle at home or when Wellington Phoenix come to town, it, it's not the same club. When it's derby week, that's when you see Melbourne City at their best. And the thing is, they don't want to throw out the form line because they're playing so, so well in, this, in respect of at least getting really good results for the last two seasons and the beginning of this one. So why would they want to throw the form book out the window when it comes to derby week? Yeah, exactly right. Teo Palazzieri joining us on the line. Sydney FC, they're looking to entrench themselves in the top four. They clash with Adelaide United. Given the Sky Blues have scored the most goals, I think, out of any team this season, do you think Adelaide United's defence have the capacity to step up to that type of pressure? Gee, well, they weren't, they weren't very impressive across more or less every line against MacArthur last weekend. I, I sat down to this game 
expecting it to be Dwight York and MacArthur's first really big test. And Adelaide laid a bit of an egg against them. And the thing about Adelaide is they were painfully predictable. They sprung in something like 40-odd crosses in round one, similar sort of number in round two. You know it's going wide. You know Craig Goodwin and, well, before he got it, got hurt, Ben Halloran. Uh, I assume Halloran is going to play, but you just know those wingers are going to be cross-spamming into the box all game, and, and it makes them somewhat you know, predictable to defend against, and Sydney FC will probably know what's coming. And that air of predictability to Adelaide United, they still were able to grab late goals and get fortunate results last season. Maybe they're regressing to the mean this campaign. So I think Sydney FC, their individuals, Robert Mack, Joe Lolly, they showed us what they could do against Western United. Is the team as a unit as cohesive as they would like to be? I'm not sure that Luke Bratton is the centrepiece of a midfield that's going to win the championship. But you look at how poorly Adelaide central midfielders played against MacArthur last week, Luke Bratton isn't going to have anywhere near as many troubles. So I suspect that even if he is the player that Sydney FC wanted with the ball at his feet, uh, anchoring that midfield, he's going to be able to distribute it out to Mack and Lolly on the wings. And then it's good luck to those fullbacks for Adelaide United trying to contain them because those two are excellent individual players. Yeah, that's right. And just in relation to the clash between the Central Coast Mariners against Perth Glory, is it a case of how far in the way of the Mariners? Because Perth have been disappointing so far this season, in my view. I mean, they can be disappointing, but they they are disappointing more so because they've found ways to lose from positions where they could have got a draw or, or could have, even against Newcastle, turned the game around completely and got the win. Gee, it's it's frustrating with Perth as well. This is a, a team that finds new and different ways to under-deliver uh, in the A-League men's era, having been that great NSL team right yes. at the end of that competition. How far Central Coast is an interesting one because I thought it was how far Central Coast when they took the lead against Wellington Phoenix last weekend, and then they subbed off Jason Cummings and I think robbed themselves of a lot of their momentum. I, I think that Central Coast team are still gelling as a unit with some of the new signings. And I think without Cummings on the field, their goal threat goes down significantly. So given that Cummings has had a lot of criticism of his conditioning and, and maybe hasn't returned for the start of the A-League season in tip-top shape, which is confounding given that he should be basically uh, making a, a you know all-or-nothing run for the World Cup squad, if he is able to last 90 minutes, I do think Central Coast will win. But if they have to sub him off because he can't run out the game, then that does leave the door ajar for Perth to maybe grab their first point of the season. All right. Now, whenever I search A-League men's in Google, the first thing in the last week that comes up is crowds. And that's been a talking point. It's going to be a talking point ahead of this week as to seeing how many people will turn up for the derby, how many people will turn up tomorrow night when Western United take to the pitch, obviously, in their must-win clash. And I know Simon Hill was pretty defensive of the A-League as a competition itself, saying that the NRL should probably get more scrutiny than the A-League, considering the amount of mainstream coverage that the NRL gets, and their crowds are probably not up to mustard either when you look at the coverage that is compared upon between the two codes. Uh, What's your view on it? Do you think there's too much emphasis on crowds? Do you think it could still be an improvement factor that the A-League should look at, considering what was the average attendance, particularly to victory games 10 or so years ago? What camp do you sit in? Do you sit in a bit of both? Oh, no, I think the scrutiny is, is absolutely warranted because it's the clubs themselves that need to do the work to engage their communities and their fan bases to come back. The the head office can only do so much in this situation. They can issue whatever edicts they like to their clubs, but ultimately it's the clubs who have to bring people through the gate. And I think those averages are going to be dragged up by the good teams, you know, that have had historically strong fan bases 
Wanderers, Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory dragging up the overall average. We know that when the Jets are good, they turn out. We know that when the Mariners are good, they turn out. Same goes for Adelaide, who are, are always consistent and reliable. But it's Brisbane Raw. It's the two expansion teams, MacArthur and Western United. It's Perth Glory. They're the problem children. They are the problem children of the A-League men's at the moment. And, and it's left a understandably sour taste in the mouth. Oh, let's not forget... The unique selling point of the A-League is the fan atmosphere that's created. The NRL is never going to have that. It's a made-for-TV sport. So, uh, you know, Simon's lived in Sydney a lot longer than me, so maybe he's more qualified to make that comparison because I'll be honest with you, Damo, I still listen to a lot of SEN podcasts. I don't exactly consume the NRL media up here. Um, So I think that, that, you know, the unique selling point of the A-League men's is the atmosphere Melbourne Victory are back. You see the the spectacle that they created last week. That is a magnet to bring other fans through the gate. You know, you've got a young family. You're not going to go stand with them, but you're going to sit on the wings and you're going to watch that just as much as you're going to watch the game. Sydney FC have got this new stadium, which is fantastic. And having won last week, they'll be hoping for a good crowd. And you know what? MacArthur, Dwight York winning a trophy. They're trying to build something. The crowds are pretty underwhelming. And Western Sydney Wanderers are probably the big one because they have their new stadium and the fans haven't come back yet. So I'm hoping that winning will be the thing that brings them back through the gate, even if they're winning in not the most aesthetically pleasing way. But you know what? When you get on a winning streak, sometimes it doesn't matter. Well, I think with Western Sydney, we know the crowds are there if they can play an an entertaining brand of football and they're successful. We saw that in 2014. I know there's a bit of marketing that goes along with that. But at the same time, and I guess that goes to the question I was going to ask you about Western United, where I thought, oh, are the crowds going to be going to well, – are they going to increase conducive upon when they finally deliberate upon a stadium that they're going to be situated in and they build that stadium, et cetera, or is there more to it to develop a fan base regardless of that stability when it comes to their home? No, no, I, I think I think the stadium, as in the one that's currently being built, the 5,000-seater, yeah. I think that will actually have a great effect in that it's going to look full, it's going to sound like a, a better atmosphere – Yes, it's, it's you know, probably a bit smaller than what they were aspiring to when they first came right. in, but it'll suit their needs in the short term. And then are they going to start building the main stadium? Well, I hope they do. I hope they deliver what they promise, and they should be held to that promise, absolutely. But I actually think their capacity to grow is, is in evidence if they can build the 5,000-seater stadium and fill that every week starting next season. So I'm hoping that's what they do. I, I you know, I, I recognise the great potential of the Western suburbs and that growth corridor. I just think they came in a bit, bit too early. It's a great idea. It's just been executed. You know, what they came in 29... Or the licence was awarded in 2018. They've come in 2019. And then, yeah, the pandemic set them back. But it was probably a decision that came 10 years ahead of its time. So you can only hope that the short-term pain will eventually pay off with some long-term gain. And you know what? At least they spend money on their staff, they spend money on their coaches and football department, they spend money on their international players and they fill their salary cap and they're taking their women's team very seriously as well. So if on the field is anything to go by, hopefully the off-field will step up to match it. We're just going to have to be a bit more patient with it. And you know what, Damo? That's about as nice as I've ever been about the situation Western United have put the rest of the league in because at least I'm starting to see the green shoots. Even if you'd asked me six months ago, I may have been far more critical. And there is population growth potentially on the horizon there as well, given housing affordability. Just one last one before I let you go. We appreciate your time. Teo Palazzieri joining us from Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. 
The A-League women's season starts pretty much a month from now. And I know you've done a lot of work in the last few years. We're building up towards a home World Cup campaign. How do you see the depth of the competition, particularly in the long term as well, beyond this World Cup and, and what you've seen and what we're leading up to for this season? Damo, the uh, the borders are back open, COVID's over, and most teams are going to have four foreigners again. We just saw Western United announce American World Cup winner Jess McDonald as their guest marquee, and there's going to be more foreign signings coming during the course of the week. So, yes, a lot of Australians have left overseas, but the actual standard and quality of the league is going to be as good as it's been in about three or four years this summer. And I can tell you that there are some seriously exciting off-the-field revelations coming in a broadcast space, be it new female play-by-play commentators, mm. be it the Goal Rush show, which has been announced for Saturday afternoons with the concurrent games. I feel as though this is going to be an innovative season off the field and it's going to be a, a really good standard of competition on the field and it's also going to be the best opportunity, I think, for the viewers and the fans to interact with the league and also to get to know the personalities around the competition. So only a month to go. It can't go quick enough for me, mate, because I do think it's going to be a really good season. Fantastic. And we look forward to hearing your voice as well, Teo, as we already have uh, much of the last few years. Appreciate your time and thanks again. Anytime, Damo. A pleasure. Good stuff. Teo Pelizzieri joining us, part of the Channel 10 and Paramount Plus A-League men's and women's commentary team. We'll take a break. Back with your calls after this on the Sporting Capital. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.